Hello and welcome to the Island Stories podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Hadfield. Two years ago, I came back to the island looking for a sanctuary. When things got really tough, I came home. Which got me thinking, each and every one of us living here has an island story. And each of my guests is someone with an extraordinary story to tell. This podcast is brought to you with Spence Willard, estate agents selling and letting some of the finest coastal and country property across the island. Each week we'll be showcasing their property of the week, so stay tuned for that later in the podcast. So let me introduce this week's guest, Joe Grindley, Chief Marketing and Commercial Officer for the British America's Cup team, or as I refer to her, the brains behind Sir Ben Ainsley. In a partnership that's lasted more than 20 years, she's also a brilliant sailor in her own right, having once been ranked number one in the world. But it's Joe's life in Gurnard that brings her to being our guest on the podcast. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Harriet. <laughs> the first question we always ask, very simply, why the island? Why the island? It was by chance, definitely, um, not by fruition. Um, I grew up in landlocked uh, Cambridgeshire, small village in the Fens, and um, with my mum, my stepfather and my brother. But my father lived on the south coast in Hythe, just across the water from the Isle of Wight. And uh, he had a love of everything boats. And that's how I learned to sail. My work journey, I, st- I worked for a bank. I got moved to Southampton. I didn't know anyone, but I did know how to sail. So joined a local sailing club, started sailing, fell in with some amazing sailors. One of those sailors was making Shirley Robertson's mast for the 96th Olympics. He lived on the island and I ended up following and have been here ever since. And that was 28 years ago. Wow, it's a long time you've been here. I know, it doesn't seem it. It's so weird. And do you feel like an islander? Do you feel like the real deal? Um, (laughs) I think that's the thing about the island, you know, what's the real deal? Both my children are real islanders, they were both born here. But but the island is is made up of this amazing eclectic bunch of people, people who are generations of of island families, but equally from all over the world. And the the island really attracts sort of people from New Zealand, from, from all over the world. And what is an islander these days? That's what's been so lovely about doing this podcast is talking to people, you know, some who've grown up here, some who've been here three years and and equally you can feel like you belong here pretty quickly. Yes, that's very true. So who's your island family? Who, Who are you living with? Where do you live? Just tell us about your life here. So I live in Gurnard, um, just on the outside skirts of Cows. Live with my two daughters, Ella and Millie. Ella is home at the moment. Actually, she's 21 tomorrow. I can't believe that. Um, and actually in university in London, but comes back a lot. And Millie's just finished finishing her A-levels. Um, and so we'll probably be off somewhere next year as well. And our two cats, Larry and Doris, who might well make an appearance in this podcast. <laughs> I just can't believe, I've known you for a really long time and I've known you since your girls were, were little and I can't believe that they're grown-ups. And I mean, this is a podcast, people can't see. Joe is the most gorgeous lady and I can't believe you are a mum of a 21-year-old. <laughs> um, your home in Gurnard, you've got views of the water. How important was that for you to be sort of overlooking the water, be near the water? I definitely get some sort of calmness from the water you know wherever I travel in the world you know the places that I love most are places that are by the water so San Francisco the America's Cup was there in 2013 um I loved that Bermuda the America's Cup was there in 2017 lived there for a bit lovely and Auckland cities very different from the island but funnily enough still have a really really similar feel so I was in Auckland in 
2021 for the America's Cup and uh, I lived escaping the pandemic es- yeah at that very, point very lucky to mm-hmm. be able to live COVID free for six months we yeah. know how lucky we were but I lived in somewhere called Herne Bay which sort of really reminded me of Gurnard and I used to cycle to work in, into Auckland um, to the base every day and it was a bit like going from Gurnard to Cows and it had a really really similar feel even though we are this small island it doesn't feel small to me I have to say I've spent a lot of time in Auckland and it, and it does feel like the island. I totally agree with you. But you've been all over the world. You do have to travel a lot for your job. How does it feel when you come home? I always love coming home. And I think living on the island, one thing you do get used to is being super organised with your travel. It's a bit like having an electric car. You've just got to plan a bit more. Um, and so it's it's a mental state rather than anything else. And so I try not to get flights back that when I'm coming back late at night, so I might miss a ferry and that makes your life really, really stressful. You So you just sort of change the way that you think about travel. But whenever I come back, that this calmness descends. You're so right. I mean, I'm constantly at the moment forgetting to book ferries because I've been so used to being in the winter where you don't need to think ahead. But yeah, that, that extra layer of organisation is so important. What else do you enjoy doing on the island when you're not working what are your what are your things I'm a really outdoory person and and one of the reasons I wanted the girls to grow up here is so that they could have a childhood and they definitely have that and we're super lucky in the house it goes down to the beach we've got paddle boards at the bottom of the garden and so a sunrise or a sunset Gurnard paddleboard is the most amazing thing I love road biking so um, and the island is actually amazing for road biking I mean when they did all the roads a few years ago it made it really a mecca for for cycling and quite often on the ferries on a Sunday morning there's more bikes on there than there are cars coming across to the island and we've got the tour of Britain coming in September which will be amazing so exciting putting us on the map you have cycled from London to Paris you've run the London Marathon and you've rode the channel so I think outdoors is probably an understatement and it's funny when you work with quite exceptional athletes obviously your role is there to to for them to achieve the goals that they have set and then sometimes you just need to do something for yourself and that's what those challenges are about it's just challenging yourself take your, taking yourself out of your comfort zone but also investing in yourself it must be so unusual to be surrounded exactly like you say by these elite athletes and that brings me to the america's cup which is the world you live in and my first thing that sort of strikes me is how few female management roles there are in America's Cup. So you, ew, trailblazer. I think that's not just the America's Cup. I think it's been sport as a whole, to be absolutely honest. And I think it is changing quickly now, which is great. I think if you looked across most sports, it, it would be a similar makeup. You've known Ben for a really long time. So I said a partnership that's lasted for 20 years. I always describe you as the brains behind him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether he'll like that no, or not. I'm not sure but, about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you are the woman who's been, you know, right behind him driving the commercial part of his success for a really long time. People know Ben as an exceptional athlete, of course, which he is, you know, the most decorated Olympic sailor in history and now trying to win the America's Cup for Britain that no other Briton has ever done. He has actually won it for Britain, one of only two Brits to have won it in 177 years. Or when he years was with the American, American team. team. Yeah. But I guess what people don't see in Ben is actually he he commercially has a really good commercial brain as well. And so it makes my job really, really 
easy because he completely gets it. So you're working on the America's Cup, the British team. What's your exact job title? Because when I researched you, there were so many different ways to describe you, which I think probably suggests how many different <laughs> things you are in charge of. But what, what, what are you doing, Joe? Explain it. So I guess my official title is Chief Marketing and Chief Commercial Officer for the British America's Cup. We also have a Cell GP, GBR team as well. Um, so, what is that? So Cell GP is a, um, it's been to Cows actually. It was here a couple of years ago. So after the 27, um, 2017 America's Cup, all the teams were looking to how they could make um, the America's Cup and more have more consistency, more continuity. And all the teams um, came up with something called a framework agreement, which would dictate what the next... Um, venue would be what the next class of boat would be and try and bring some consistency and con- continuity to make it t- more commercial and um, there was one team that didn't sign that that was the kiwis emirates team new zealand they won the america's cup and um and took it back to new zealand and came up with a whole new class of boats at that point larry ellison from oracle fame he was the defender and they he had this vision he had this vision of what he thought a, a global sailing league would be and he pulled out of the america's cup and he created sail gp sail gp now has 11 nations competing More 11 than the events cup. yeah and it's it, they complement each other incredibly well one is one design one is an absolute technical challenge just like formula one and we actually compete in both because the Amer- we're trying to win the America's Cup, but actually the America's Cup, you race very infrequently. And so from a sailor's point of view, competing in this global stage across uh, against the best sailors in the world. And you'll see that all the America's Cup teams are competing. So the two are absolutely at a level to one so another. Running quite well alongside each other. And I mean, everyone knows how expensive an America's Cup campaign is and that's partly because there's no set rules you know so you can do all the design work you have raised an extraordinary amount of money for america's cup racing so the first campaign you raised 100 million pounds how Um, how did you do that (laughs) joe it was quite tough because actually at the time um it was off the back of um ben winning the with the American team in 2013 you know which was called one of the greatest sporting comebacks of all times and it was a great opportunity it was like well if there's going to be a time where you can raise money for a British America's Cup now's the time we had some really invested private investors who were willing to take that chance as well and so we set up a model where we brought private funding in to start with so that we could hire the right talent and then then built a platform to bring the commercial funding in but to be honest when we started we didn't have a desk a pen a building nothing so you were you were selling a dream I think we did well (laughs) I I remember people saying there was no way you could do it I really do um so it's an extraordinary achievement you talk about the building you know the desk the pen and the building is amazing. I look out over it whenever I get the car ferry because, of course, it's in Portsmouth on, on the hard there. You commuted from the island for a long time. How did you do that? Yeah, I commuted from Gurner to Portsmouth, old Portsmouth, um, every day. And actually, do you know what? I really enjoyed it. I used to you know, get in my car quite early so that I missed all the traffic from cows to ride and listen to the radio and then I'd get on the hovercraft and 10 minutes across the Solon and then a 10 minute walk to work and so it was about an hour commute but but you know quite multifaceted quite a lovely commute (laughs) 
Yeah, so you talk about the building and commuting backwards and forwards, but at the moment it looks like that building's open. Can I ask what's happening with it, where the base is going to be? So it's not empty, it's actually really thriving. When we set up the America's Cup team as, you know, an innovation company, we decided to set up a technology business alongside it a similar model to the formula one teams have you know mclaren applied technologies mercedes applied science you know they all have a technology business that sits alongside it that takes a trickle down technology into industry and we really wanted to create this maritime valley for maritime technology and we set up a technology business which is called BAR and it's really doing incredibly well so they've um, invested heavily in trying to bring emissions down for shipping there's quite a lot of secret squirrel stuff going there things being built which are quite interesting and also we set up a charity um, called the 1851 trust when we set up the team as well and that still still works out of the base there in Portsmouth okay but the rest of the team the sailing where's that all good because we've got this extraordinary situation haven't we where the New Zealanders won the America's Cup and if you know nothing about America's Cup this will be very difficult to get your head around but it's actually going to be raced in Spain Spain so we and we, the America's Cup has a great link with the Isle of Wight it was first ever raced around the Isle of Wight um, from the Royal Yacht Squadron and the Royal Yacht Squadron is is the yacht club that we enter the America's Cup under so really close to our heart and hopefully one day we'll be able to bring the America's Cup back here won't be my call just saying um, <laughs> but wouldn't it be amazing it would be. Uh, um, in terms of where we're based now so we have a a partnership with Mercedes Formula One team so our partners uh, Ineos they also own a third of the Mercedes Formula One team and Jim Ratcliffe saw the opportunity to really bring these two technical teams together and so our technical team are based in Brackley which is very very landlocked wow yeah Northamptonshire exactly and you know we're on the campus that is the Mercedes Formula One team which is an amazingly opportunity though for those engineers as well to be working in that environment absolutely I think one of the main competitors, Alinghi, have actually got a tie-up with Red Bull Formula One racing as well. Oh. And so there's going to be competition both like in Formula One and America's Cup with those two teams. Wow. And that link has always tried to be made, hasn't it? That, you know, America's Cup is the Formula One of sailing. If you're trying to explain it to people, it's a technology race. It's big money, big stakes. So that's that's really exciting. Yeah. And then we just announced this week that our training base is going to be in Palmer over the winter. So we'll have a 40-foot test boat and that's that will be sailed out of Palmer. We have tried in the past to actually do our winter training out of the UK, but the, the UK weather <laughs> makes it really, really difficult. <laughs> and now that the America's Cup is going to be in Barcelona, it really doesn't mimic the conditions that we will be racing in Barcelona in. And so going to somewhere where it's much more akin to the, the final conditions of the Cup. What does that mean for you personally? Does that mean you're back on the road? Because I guess my role is much more on the commercial and marketing I don't have to go and live in Palmer. You know, that's a very much a sailing base. Um, the final venue, once we get to 2024 and Barcelona, then yes, I, w- I will re- relocate out there for a period. But I tend to be a much more fluid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to be, though, because you've got your, your, you've got your two girls still. So yeah. it's quite a juggle, isn't it? Yeah, and they've been super lucky. I mean, they 
um, both were able to come out to Auckland and again it was right in the middle of COVID so you know, they, they had work permit well I had a work permit so they they, they were, were able you to come with me. Were you homeschooling from Auckland or how was that working? So Ella was on a gap year and she, oh. she I mean gosh how lucky was she most of her friends who had decided to take a gap year were stuck at home and she was able to come to Auckland. Millie was actually <laughs> doing online lessons from Auckland so running quite a different schedule to the other two of us. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine with the time difference. How much does it mean to you, though, that when you are away, that the girls are here, they're on the Isle of Wight, you know it's safe, you know it's home? I'm really lucky. Their dad, Simon, is in Gurnard as well. And, you know, we've always really co-parented really effectively. I always know that, that, that if I'm not here, they're really, really well looked after. It's time to tell you about our Spence Willard property of the week. And this episode, I think it's probably my dream home. Outside Wooden Bridge, just two miles from the car ferry. This huge Victorian eight-bedroom house is set in almost five acres of land, extending right down to the beach with a tennis court and heated outdoor pool. It's an incredible island home. To find out more about this property or any others, do contact our sponsors, Spence Willard. All of the details can be found in the show notes. Let's go back then to life before living here. You've been a banker and a professional sports person, which is quite a mix. (laughs) And very, very different. You said you grew up landlocked, but it was your dad who got you into sailing. You moved to the island in 1995. So it's how many years is that? 28, what's that? 28 years ago. Gosh, that's ridiculous, isn't it? And what did you think when you when you first arrived here? Did you think you were here to stay? Did you think this is where my girls, you know, my children are going to grow up? What did you think? I just thought it was the most stupid place in the world. What what have I done to like <laughs> to, to move here? Essentially, it's like I, I you know, I'm commuting by a ferry. You know, like you said, I'd grown up in, in landlocked um, England, and um, but it's really weird. You know, very very quickly, you you realize what a special place it is and um so in, and people on the island do and I've heard it on your podcast before you know everyone says that people embrace you really quickly and they do here I joined the local sailing club at Gurnard um as soon as I arrived and you know straight away you felt part of a community so you're an amazing sailor in your own right you know which I think is something people probably don't really know about you because all the focus is on Ben and you know the guys on the America's Cup team but you teamed up with another really famous islander Shirley Robertson um and you went match racing and you were ranked number one in the world I'm not sure you'd say that I was a really good sailor I barely sailed for years I have to say with two girls and a, a full-time job that's that's always been my focus but yeah super super lucky we you know Shirley's obviously an exceptional exceptional athlete and she went on after that to win two Olympic gold medals yeah we're looking uh, forward to having her on the podcast really soon and she will blame me for living on the island. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, she's still here too. Um, <laughs> she always used to say when we were traveling anywhere, you know, again, because probably at that time we, we, we had no money. And so we were like on the cheapest flights ever that probably didn't weren't conducive to the ferries. And she'd say, oh, you know, you make your life so difficult living on the island. And then um, she came to live with me and has stayed here ever since. And now has Well, her- we thank you for that. <laughs> but yeah it was a great period of my life in terms of I actually gave up banking in 
gosh, when was it? 97. I think Shirley said to me, Joe, you, you need to make a decision. You either, you know, carry on with your career in the bank or if you actually want to go sailing, you need to commit to it. And I think that's a lesson. That's probably a lesson in life. Never be afraid of change. It, it's scary, but actually have confidence that 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 is going to take you on a journey and all these layers that we build upon ourselves so you know you had that banking that commercial background and then you went and you experienced what it was like being a professional sports person and now in your career you see all of that pulled together yeah so then in in both Ben and Shirley competed in in Sydney both of them won a gold medal and at that point they actually switched the Olympic discipline out to a yingling I wasn't a good, a good fleet it racer. It was a three-woman three yeah, boat. Yeah, and I, I didn't have the skill base to be able to do that. So I stepped away from the sailing. And and both Shirley and Ben had obviously won a gold medal, but neither really had my, any commercial sponsorship. And so, you know, I sort of said, well, you know, why don't I give it a go? Um, and through in my, when I'd been sailing, just to sort of be able to, you know, pay the rent, I'd um, I'd worked for a TV company, which Harriet, you worked for as well. I did. <laughs> and, <laughs> we were um, reminiscing. <laughs> And I, I did some PR work and I um, and I looked after someone's photography library. Um, and it's amazing how where, where that, that takes you to because I then said to Ben and Shirley, well, why don't I try and find you some money? And at that point, I was a consultant for Volvo who was getting into sailing sponsorship. And and so that, that was the start of that journey, essentially. And so... So I remember working with you because I was a li- I was very young. I was, you know, 21 when my first job. And um, I remember you were running your sports agency into the blue, which you still run now, based in Cows. And I was absolutely terrified of you. <laughs> <laughs> which makes me laugh now, of course. But, you know, you really were formidable. You knew exactly what you wanted. You, we were working for you on, it was Volvo sponsoring Olympic sailing, basically. Or, or not not the actual Olympic sailing but the sailors around it um, and yeah you were a real powerhouse even even back then and we're talking 20 years ago <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna apologize now for that <laughs> probably mellowed more in my older age no absolutely not you know it's just really interesting having known you for that long and Ben and Shirley and you that that kind of combination has been such a strong has been such a strong one and it's all island based as well yeah I mean obviously Ben ended up um also buying a house on the island as well so I remember my mum phoning me it's like is that true Ben's just bought a house on the island I'm like yeah we're all here now was that your influence no no absolutely not my influence and that was his lovely wife Georgie who um they were looking for a place uh on the south coast because obviously we were working out of Portsmouth and um and Georgie loves property had been scouting around and found the most amazing place on the island yeah not too far from where I live actually let's talk about into the blue though because it's your sports marketing agency it sort of runs concurrently doesn't it really with with the work that you obviously do in being in charge of um, the America's Cup team so what what kind of things have you been doing with that how many people do you employ what what's the deal yeah, so I guess when I when I started raising money for Ben and Shirley, I was very much just a freelancer, which I think quite a lot of people in this industry start off as freelancers, and and that grew into an agency. Um, and we're super lucky that we ran the, the the Volvo sponsorship, JP Morgan, when they sponsored the Round the Island for a number of different years. Um, some super super cool projects, and so that was the medium Ben and I always worked through. And then when it came to 2013, 2014 when we were setting up the America's Cup team 
it was I always thought oh yeah I can do both that'll be really easy <laughs> well <laughs> it's not <laughs> so, yeah I think anyone who owns a business knows that that, that it's not actually that easy so into the blue still is on the parade um in cows and i've got a lovely office there and, and and when i am here i work out of there and and i love it to be absolutely honest um in terms of how many people work it's relatively small we've got i think about 10 or 12 people that work there and it's very much a design house now they do a huge amount of um creative projects you know all over the place actually one of the big ones i, I was very very lucky um with my work with the America's Cup team we we obviously are part of the in your sports family they they pulled myself and some other people from the other sports teams in to to help with Ellie Kipchoge and the sub two hour marathon um, project and so I was super super lucky having no experience in running except for running a marathon very badly <laughs> um, to, to actually run the engagement program for Ellie Kipchoge's two, um, sub two hour marathon. I'm really proud that to be honest Into the Boo has been going for gosh over 15 years now it's employed loads of youngsters across the island and when I travel the world quite often I see people that we trained at Into the Blue you know 12 10 15 years ago doing just amazing work all over the world so it's lovely it's just so important for the island to have employers like you even if as you say you're not there all the time now that can give these kind of opportunities because it's exactly what we need isn't it to encourage young people to come here or to stay here if they've grown up here um the final thing I just wanted to talk to you about a little bit is your charity work on the island um you obviously mentioned that you're a trustee of the 1851 trust which is the charity that goes alongside the America's Cup Uh, and I know that gets loads of kids interested in in sailing um but the Ellen MacArthur Trust which obviously based on the island um if someone asked me you know what your top few charities it would definitely be one of mine partly I think because I probably worked for you making promos for them years and years ago but this is a charity that takes uh, young people with cancer sailing um, and you're a trustee I mean and you have been for a few years now so I've worked with the trust for probably 15 years um, and you're right I remember Harriet we still use that promo <laughs> um, it was like a really really good promo and it had Dan in it and I remember it really really yeah, well Dan it had a cold play exactly and it almost makes me cry just thinking about oh. it because it was so emotive it was such yeah. a, you know it shows the power of me of media and actually how it can really show a journey it's an amazing charity and I'm you know super proud that I'm a char- that I'm a trustee now I think you know as trustees you just take your school base into that and hope yeah. that you can you can you know make an well, impact so on lucky that. to have you I mean what an extraordinary trustee to have with all of your experience they've got an amazing group of, of trustees I have to say and I think that you know that's the power of the charity as well when you see the results it is delivering and you see the young people when they step onto a trip and then off a trip and the confidence it gives them in that recovery from from cancer it it is totally remarkable one of the things that I do now whenever I'm researching someone for a podcast I try and talk to someone close to them about (laughs) (laughs) about about them and what makes them so special and I sent Ben an email I didn't know whether he'd have time to respond because I know he's got a lot on his plate um but this just shows quite how how important you are he gave me the most lovely quote which I'm going to read having worked with Joe for most of my professional career in sailing I can say that she has the most amazing determination attention to detail and great vision for what the future might look like so that's the Ben Ainsley talking about you what does the future look like for you 
Um, what does the future look like for me? Well, certainly it's quite well mapped out over the next few years because the America's Cup is going to be in um, Barcelona in uh, around September 2024. And we also have the CLGP team, which um, we... The other charity that I'm involved in, the 1851 Trust, that's all about giving world-class education inspired by sport and actually teaching climate change. So we, we race under the banner of Protect Our Future, which is all about giving young people science-based knowledge to be able to take action, positive action against climate change. Um, and so the next two years are pretty busy, to be absolutely honest. The girls are already back planning, you know, their time in Barcelona when we're, <laughs> we're going to be there. And then let's see. I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll win it and we'll bring it back here bring the cup home (laughs) and can we have a promise that if we do win it can it please be raced off the Isle of Wight please be based on the Isle of Wight that definitely is not in my gift to give (laughs) Harriet but obviously I'm with you okay so we definitely want to bring the cup home to the Isle of Wight okay so the final thing on the podcast we always do is a quick fire round of five things about the island so are you ready Jo I'm ready number one your favorite place to eat or grab a coffee um, I have to say, I went to North House um, a couple of weeks ago, just after it opened, and oh my goodness, the food was amazing. Well, they've got Robert Thompson. I know it was it it was Michelin spectac- starred chef. Spectacular! I mean, How lucky are we? Yeah, extraordinary. <laughs> uh, number two, best place for a walk, swim, or meditation. I have to say Newtown Creek is probably my favourite place on the island. Um, when I grew up, when I came down to sail with my dad, we used to, in our little 21-foot sailing boat, uh, moor up in um, Newtown Creek over the weekend. And that's where I learned to row. I'd row around the oh, creek wow. for hours and hours. And, and yeah, I still walk, run there. And I and love those it. early childhood memories. Amazing. Mm. And number three, favourite island activity? Uh, favourite island activity... I have to say, I do love a bit of SUP yoga along the river yard with the lovely Jenny. Ah, SUP, so stand up paddleboard, yes. yoga. We've got it. And who's Jenny? Jenny Stewart, who um, uh, came to the island, gosh, um, I'm not sure, five years or so ago, um, and, and set up a, something called Balance and Glow, which is yoga and fitness sort of. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah okay, we'll lovely lady and number four i think i know the answer to this which island charity is closest to your heart well that obviously has to be the ellen MacArthur cancer trust okay and number five what do you love most about this island of ours well i think we talked about it earlier that for five years i commuted on the hovercraft and i have to say the hovercraft is amazing <laughs> it's like 10 minutes you know quick as you like it the first one was ever actually built on the Isle of Wight. Strangely, my stepsister's father tested the first ever no hovercraft as well. Um, and I have to say that like, even if it's late because the weather's bad, the people there are so lovely. Aren't they just? Um, yeah. So you are going to love our next guest because we've got a pilot. Of our, am I allowed to say that, Alex, producer? He's nodding. Yeah, we've, we're going to be talking to one of the pilots for for the podcast. So that's exciting. Um, Joe, thank you so much. It's been amazing to get to know you better and hear your island story. Big thank you to Spence Willard, estate agent selling and letting some of the finest coastal and country property across the island for helping us bring you this podcast. If you want more island news, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, 5-stories.co.uk. I'm Harriet Hadfield. My producer is Alex Warren. You'll find us on Instagram at Island Stories Podcast. And please do tune in next week for another Island Story.